true believers. You got Sean Rama here. Um, I'm gonna address a couple of things. It's gonna be kind of random, kind of a little bit of this, a little bit of that in this podcast. Um, a couple of things I want to talk about. A, I want to, uh, I want to uh, talk about some complaints you might be having that uh, I haven't been doing the. Uh, Rum Powered Review in a while, or the Classy Comic Review in a while, and again, I apologize, but um, I am working on a couple things. One of them is another baby. Ha ha ha, yes. Somehow I am uh, adding to the gene pool yet again, and uh, that addition is going to happen in May this year, May 2016, so I'm quite excited, but there is a lot of prep involved with having a kid, and then there's a lot of post-prep from the... (laughs) or post, I guess it wouldn't be prep, um, there's a lot of post work to do uh, for my last child, so, and uh, making sure they, they have a room for when the second one's born, and all that sort of stuff, so I've been a little bit tied up with a few things, but I haven't been not busy, I've been working on a few other things in the meantime, um, and it's all based upon availability of having the time to do things, um, and, and finagling the time my wife and I have kind of done a bit of a timeshare with with uh, baby duties. Um, my, I work when my wife doesn't work, and vice versa. And the other, you know, each parent looks after the child when the other one's not working. So uh, that doesn't basically that means that any free time I do have is free time with my wife or free time to go to sleep. And the sleep part, I'm not getting a lot of that. So. Um, so one of the things, uh, one of the issues with, with my time is I've decided I, I got to do something. I got to add in some way, shape or form, uh, to my, my fandom. So I've decided that this podcast is how I'm going to do that. And the first two podcasts were a bit more, uh, philosophical or cerebral or however you want to call it. Um, and they're going to be that way every once in a while, and I hope you're okay with it. Sometimes I just need to be able to talk, and these podcasts are keeping me from going insane on these long rides to and from work. So, that being said, I do have a few things in the pipe that I, we can talk about here. Because, um, you know, people are always asking, well, what are you working on now? What are you working on now? So, um, no, there's no news on the Meet the Geeks front. But let us let me be clear. Even though I am a part of the Meet the Geeks group in some way, shape, or form, I always will be. Uh, it's it's a home for me in a lot of ways. And uh, Brother Kebab, the uh, really the, the the impetus behind the entire Meet the Geeks, uh, Corey. Um, he's uh, you know th- this is his baby, and whenever he's ready to do Meet the Geeks, I will help in every way I can. But um, the onus is on him to get going and he does have some plans eventually he will uh you know continue uh continue that glorious uh, that, that glorious comic and, and do something but he does have other stuff planned uh i i don't want to i don't want to spoil anything at this point until things come to fruition but uh trust me uh, mr taves has things happening and if i can help in any way shape or form whether i can or can't i probably help anyway um, Sean Rama will have some sort of involvement. Uh, I will be getting back to Run Powered Reviews at some point. Um, th- that is going to happen. I mean, I still have a, a, t- a ton of stuff to review. 
Um, but the, the reason for the delay in that are as follows. I have a few things I've been working on. One of the things is I'm designing a board game. Um, I, I can't give too, too much information because I don't want uh, someone to kind of rip off the idea. But I've uh, done some playtesting on it, a fair amount of playtesting on it. It's gone through seven revisions thus far. Um, I'm, I'm trying to free up some time with my wife's and my schedule to actually have another playtest date. Um, and the thing with these playtests here, the, what I'm doing, because a lot of the, um, the, the board, I, I don't have multiple boards to, to work off of or multiple playing pieces to work off of. So for every single playtest, I'm actually present at the playtest. Um, I'd like to try to find a way to do a playtest where I don't have to be there so I could get many more of them under my belt so the process would be moving along a little faster. But uh, there's just there's logistics involved with that in, in getting, the, um, in getting the, uh, the materials together and having multiple copies of it without you know, taking on a big cost. Uh, and the reason for that is I am still designing the, the playing materials to, to play the game. So if I, you know, if I do a draft up 10 different sets of playing materials, and then um, I have to change them all. Then I've got to do ten more sets, and then ten more sets each time. So I'm, I'm trying to um, find a way to have multiple play test groups at a time. Um, but we're not quite at that stage yet. And this is all out of pocket. And this is just something I'm doing because I wanted a board game that doesn't do what this board game does. So that's the only reason I invented it. But um, anyway, the feedback on the game so far has been great. Um, Everyone that's played it, really, there's aspects of that game that they've never seen anywhere else, which is why I did it in the first place. Um, it's very, very fun. There's some fine-tuning that I need to do on a couple aspects of the rules for this game. And uh, once, I get to, once I get to that stage where the rules, uh, there's less tweaking to the rules, my plan is to take another step towards... Um, putting out the actual playing materials for it, like playing pieces, uh, the game board, all that sort of stuff. And in the back of my mind, I'm also kind of going to be tying it into an RPG game of some sort, a tabletop RPG game. So, um, on other fronts, um, the band I am in, which is uh, we, we still don't have a band name yet. We're getting close to that. We're, we've been working on material for a, a CD for the last uh, little while. We've had a couple of uh, places vacated within the band that, that had to be replaced. Current lineup of the band uh, is really, really, really good. Um, actually, I'm in terms of chemistry, um, it's, it's the best the band has been. Uh, the, core, the two core members of the band, which is me and Alex, um, we're not core members of the band anymore. I feel that with the strength we have of the players in this group now, that we aren't the core players anymore and we don't have to be. It's, uh, it's a very equal partnership. And when one of us, any of us brings an idea to the band in terms of a song, we're all working the, the song out together. We're all writing parts of that song. So when someone comes in and brings in, like if Alex brings in a guitar lick, or um, 
or the drummer will actually come up with a the he'll come up with a, a, a drum line and then Alex will hear that and work off of that drum line and come up with a lick to match the drum line or conversely we might convert a, a guitar line into a, into a bass line instead or so it, basically what's happening and I've never had this happen before um, it's 100% every single member of this band contributes to the writing process. I've never, ever been in this situation before. Let me tell you, it is... I didn't think... I didn't think anything like this was possible. Um, I'm having the time of my life. Like, I... I, I don't know. It, anyone that's listening to this podcast, if you ever been in a band before, my situation was always... You might have a single songwriter is one is the one situation, or you might have a songwriting team within the band of you know a couple of guys, and then uh, you get the you know the odd assist from the third player or a fourth player within the band. I've never had all four contributing, and I don't know if that is common to have four different contributors. But I do want to point out here's here's a slight difference to to what I'm saying here. Now, I've got a fairly encyclopedic knowledge of, of music, or at least the music I listen to. And my understanding, if you take a band, and I'm going to use, I'm going to use these two examples. They are older examples, but just as a means to kind of convey what, what I'm talking about here. If you look at the Beatles, you had Lennon-McCartney were the, the main writing team, and then you had Ringo writing some occasional songs. And then you had George Harrison. George Harrison contributed a lot to the Beatles, but uh, Lennon McCartney didn't accept uh, the songs he had written. But I think mostly George Harrison's songs were were self-written, like he wrote everything by himself, and it was added to the band. And then you know the band would probably you know, figure out the orchestration of it or, or whatnot. But um, what I've been finding, and then another example is uh, Kiss. But again, there was a there was Stanley Simmons that were writing songs together. But the thing was, they were writing songs together, but they weren't um, like one guy was contributing one part and another guy was contributing another part. So you had one person wrote the wrote a verse, the other songwriter wrote the chorus, and then they kind of munched it up together. And you know, um, but for you know, that's generally what you see in, in, in Led Zeppelin. Um, it was very segregated too. And I think, you know, they kind of melting pot their ideas together. But you'll notice that there's writing credit given to John Paul Jones on some of the Led Zeppelin tracks. That's it on a, on a song. It's just John Paul Jones. Other songs was Jimmy Page. Other songs, I mean, occasionally there was uh, songs were written together with a couple of the members, but... Anyway, so what I'm really trying to say, I guess, is it's been incredibly rewarding, and I, I, I can write songs by myself, no problem. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time, and but there's something about writing with someone else, and it's just, man, I don't know, it's, it's really freaking cool. So I'm really, really, really enjoying it, and um, we've got seven songs written, I mean, and we, we keep tweaking these songs like every practice we're like well change a part here add a part there you know uh, change the time like time signatures have changed in our songs uh, the so there was three songs that Alex and I pretty much had worked out 
and then um, the other two guys come to the band and all of a sudden the songs have changed and the the drummer wrote the drummer and the bassist wrote a different section to one of the songs and all of a sudden the song has a different feel or has an extra part to it but then on top of that on top of that I'm just going to speed up here this guy's driving really slow uh, but on top of that the drummer changed the, the beat of uh, the verses on, on one of the songs to the point that it actually has a different, almost like it's like a shuffle to it, a more staccato marching shuffle to it that it didn't have before. So it, it's really, really interesting to see this, um, to see this happen. And I'm really stoked. Like I, I'm having a good time. My vocals, uh, and in this band, I am the vocalist in this band. Um, my vocals are very, very strong, and they're getting they're getting better all the time. Uh, practicing a lot, um, but my songwriting, I've had to push myself on on the lyrics. The lyrics are all exclusively mine at this point, um, and I've been really pushing myself to make the lyrics as good as possible. Uh, no compromise to them, and I'm really. And the vocals I'm writing too. Um, the vocals are, are very, very different. Um, I generally write a vocal first and then a lyric second. And the, my vocals, I'm trying stuff. You know, I'm trying stuff I, I don't do, and, and I'm changing things around the way I wouldn't normally do. And the subject matter of the songs are not typical of mine. They're it's it's I don't know it's it's an amazing experience so I've been shelving putting a lot of time into crafting these songs with the band and, and uh, you know practicing and fine-tuning and fine-tuning and we're uh, we're looking into uh, recording gear uh, to record the drums which is really the most complex thing to record and uh, we're looking at recording a few of the tracks you know, eventually get all the tracks recorded so we have studio versions of each of the songs. And then what's going to happen there is the um, we are set to shoot a video in uh, March slash April um, with a, a local um, filmmaker, I guess, um, who approached us to film the to film the video. So. We're actually trying to get down to the point of deciding which one we want to do, which song we want to do, which has the most impact, which song tells the best story visually as opposed to just sonically. And, uh, you know, we're just trying to figure all that out, like how we want to do that, right? So anyway, so that's been taking up a lot of time. Um, uh, the addition to the band that's really made me really, really excited is my brother, Todd. Uh, Toddy Fingers from uh, you know one of the previous RPRs, and um, he's joined in as bassist. Even though he's regularly a guitar player, he's playing bass in this band because we needed a slot to fill. Todd came in and he just completely owned the uh, the job. So, um, and uh, I've seen more contribution from Todd in this setting than I ever have from him. He's phenomenal. You know, he's always been my favorite guitar player, but he now is probably my favorite bass player of all time. So, a lot of great things happening anyway, um, and that's what's kind of going on in that front. Um, besides that, there's another project I'm working on with uh, T. Carp, or T. Carp from uh, RPR fame and classic comic review fame, 
and specifically insert coin theme. Um, I'm working with him on trying to have, uh, we're, we're trying to work on a podcast with him as well. Um, and with Corey, uh, Corey Tatis, Meet the Geeks, as you know, you know, talked about him earlier. I'm trying to get something happening there through his Insert Coin site. Um, I thought Insert Coin was really good as a webcomic. If you're not familiar, check it out, insertcoin.ca, I believe. Or it might be insert.coin.ca. Anyway, um, little webcomic that Thomas does, or Tarp, as I like to call him. And um, I'm trying to, I really want to push that website out and have these podcasts on that site. So you may actually be listening to this from his site or from iTunes or from wherever we decide to post this. So anyway, so I do have another project. I have a, well, a few project ideas that I'm working on with Thomas as well that I'd like to see fruition. One is a short film. Uh, the script has been written. It may go through another tweak. We were contacted by a, a, a filmmaker that wants to film that. We'd love to have regular content. Um, so we're, we're getting somewhere on that. I also want to push uh, Thomas to, to get his uh, novel finished and completed. I offered to do a free edit of it so we can actually get it up there. And I'd really, really like to see that up on the website as well. Again, insertcoin.ca. Uh, so those are a couple of projects I've been working on. Uh, on top of that, uh, what else uh, has Shonorama been working on? Well, um, not much else. I, I've got a novel in the pipe that I've, I've taken another. I'm taking another edit at. Um, I, I did send my uh, novel to an editor who did a really, really good run through that novel and I'm very very happy with the work he did and uh, kind of pointed me in the right direction on a couple of points that I just didn't know what to do with so I've been I've been doctoring that up doing a, another edit on that one I think we're at the sixth edit on that one um, and this novel falls in the vein of all the other fandom stuff I've done uh, fits right in there it's right in the pocket with uh, everything that you know of me from uh, whatever fandom I'm associated with. So, um, and it centers around a, uh, a, a gaming system that I wrote several years ago um, for a supers game. And uh, what I've done is I've tailored back the super heroics uh, in the book, grounded everything even more than it was grounded before. And I'm telling the story uh, of a, a group that had been put together a group that had been put together and assembled by uh, an individual, a mysterious individual who is trying to save the world and he's picked this disparate group of, uh, of people to, to make the team to save the world. Um, do these people work together? Well, yes and no. Um, might be a bit of a trope there, but uh, he's trying to take these people that don't know each other and form them into a fighting unit that works well. So, um, anyway, the book's been written. It's gone through several edits. I'm doing a major revision of the first uh, four chapters, I believe it would be, um, to get a better flow, better continuity of the story, 
and uh, fleshing out a couple things. So, um, and I do within that novel once I've done that beginning intro part. Once that's down, I've got to expand a couple other sections in the book. Probably need to add another, you know, ten pages in there just for clarification. And uh, uh, I had to do a little research on a couple of things that I had in the book that require some uh, definition. More, more on the technical spec side of things. Uh, I had uh, spoken with um, a branch of the military to kind of confirm some of the details. I had sprinkled throughout the book just to make sure they're viable and that they are, in fact, realistic and do make a sense, make sense. So, um, excited to get that out there, but it's kind of on the back burner behind a couple of the other things, and I do it whenever I have time. Prime reason I haven't uh, finished that edit is because I do not have a laptop. So working on it, I can only really work on it when I have access to my computer, when I don't have access to my wife or my child. So the timing's been pretty, pretty cruddy. But I plan to do some more heavy editing on that when I get a uh, lap, get a new laptop. So okay, so I think that covers a lot of the stuff. Um, I do want to get some input from you guys if I could. I want to talk a little bit about um, about gaming, and I'd really like to hear from people here. And I'm not expecting immediate responses here because I'm not even sure who's listening to this podcast. Uh, hopefully, I get at least one listener. But um, I guess what I want to say is, um, I've I've done a hell of a lot of GMing or DMing, whichever way you want to look at it, of uh, tabletop role playing games, and uh, generally. I'm at this stage of my GMing life or DMing life that I never go to any source material. Um, the universe that the game happens in, whether it be fantasy, modern, superheroes, whatever it is, it's always in a fa- it's always in a setting that I've created. Uh, I don't borrow from anything. I just create everything from scratch. Um, I'm not, I mean, I'm not running a James Bond game or a Marvel game or uh, I'm not even running a D&D game when, even when I run a fantasy game I'm actually not even using their gods I develop my own gods within uh, within there my own you know continents my own like everything's all I create everything and even though I'm using the, the basic fantasy tropes of you know elves and dwarves and things I always spin them on their heads so they're at least not the same thing you've seen a hundred times before there's something different about it um, and I know some people would complain that making changes like that just, well, why don't you just use what's there? You know, and what I like to do, the, the reason I, I change things, especially in a fantasy setting, is that you're using so many basic fantasy tropes that are established either, either through D&D or Lord of the Rings or, or whatnot. I, the reason I change things and the main reason I change things is specifically to keep things... Uh, different for the players. The players don't know what to expect when they go in the game. A lot of the players that I play with have have run their own games, and they're very familiar with the monster manual. They're very familiar with um, how certain gods operate, that sort of thing. I like to keep it a bit fresh and keep the players guessing because I don't want some guy like I. I don't want them to come across an encounter where all of a sudden. Oh, well, I'm facing uh, a Beholder. Well, I know a Beholder is 26th. I don't know what level a Beholder is. But it's, uh, it's, it has this, 
a challenge rating, a challenge rating of 10 or 12 or 14. Oh, well, that's a 14th level. Oh, well, we're not going to be able to fight him, so we're just going to back out of the room. Or going in and going, oh, well, those are, those are, that's a troll. We can handle that at our level. Or it's a group of gnomes or a group of kobolds. Basically kind of knowing the challenge rating. I don't like my players knowing how to defeat the enemy because they've read it already. I like them to use their own skills in learning the world that we're in and figuring things out. So, um, so I, what I'm trying to get at is I've often thought of publishing uh, or getting out there at the very least in a digital format uh, my uh, game playing worlds for other people to try out. Um, when I did Simca several, several, several years ago, um, that was based on a role-playing world that I did invent. And, um, and it evolved into, into the, into the story it became. So, um, I'd really, I've always wanted to have that out there, but the logistics of putting it together and having it out there and having it available. I've, I still have all my notes from every game I've ever run in every universe I've run, so... I mean, could I do that? Yeah. But putting it together and having it out there, if I had a proper distribution channel to do so, I would do it. Because especially for some, for a game, it's different. If you're going to get it out there for people to look at, you want groups of people to try it. If you're only, if there's only one guy here and one gal there that are reading this, they're like, oh, this is a pretty neat thing, but they're never going to run it. What's the point? Um, it's different if I was writing a, a story or putting a story out there. Like, if one person gets enjoyment out of it, I'm happy. That's all that matters. But with gaming, I kind of want someone to play the game and try the game. So, but uh, I'd like to hear people's opinions. Would you want to play a game, uh, a game in the Simca world? Would, would you be interested in that? Or would you want to play a game in the world of uh, my upcoming Switzerland novel? You know, or would you want to, you know, would you be interested? I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. So, let's move on to uh, one last thing that I thought was very, very interesting. And um, it's a stick it to the man sort of thing. Uh, Daredevil came out this weekend. No, I haven't seen it. I have a child. I'm trying to find a babysitter. Everybody left town this weekend. So, uh, I have a babysitter for next week and I will go see it and I'm sure I will enjoy it. What I want to say about this is uh, a whole bunch of different people centered around Ryan Reynolds. I've been trying to get this film made for like about 10 years or whatever it was. And the best thing that came out of it in the last 10 years was uh, Deadpool was added to the Wolverine Origins movie. Uh, started out well and then ended really poorly. And I think everybody was in total agreement with it, including Hugh Jackman. Um, that, you know what, they really screwed this up. So uh, Deadpool comes out, came out this weekend blew the doors off of any expectations out had a higher gross than any previous X-Men film um, is the most successful non-sequel uh, is the most successful period our opening in February of all time the best opening R rated movie of all time like the accolades just go and go and go and go this is where Stick It to the Man comes into play Fox did not want to make a Deadpool movie. Fox wanted to change Deadpool in the Wolverine movie to fit what they thought made more sense. 
Deadpool does not sell. Deadpool cannot make money. Blah, 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 blah. Well, sometimes you got to stick with the creative people. Someone had a vision for what they wanted for Deadpool. And that movie got made and that movie came out and everybody loved it. Fox said this movie would never break even. It more than made its budget back in one single weekend. So to all those people in Hollywood or, or anybody, any of these financiers that you know finance these movies, look people, you gotta let people be creative. If I'm writing a book and somebody's telling me that, well, that character shouldn't be the hero, it should be this character. And this character is needs to be more evil. We need the killing of children in our movie or whatever. You know what? When the studio gets involved in a property that they don't even care two bits about, yes, I, I admit, they're financing the movie and yes, it's a financial investment and they want to see return on their investment. But if you're not interested, don't finance the movie at all. Back away, let someone else finance it who believes in the movie. Let the movie be made the way it should be made. Enough of this stupid studio meddling. It drives me batty. So, the movie outperformed, outgrossed, set a gazillion records. Spoke to a couple of people that saw it. They said, even better than Star Wars. Holy crap. 20th Century Fox. Shame on you. Shame on you. This movie is going to gross probably a global gross of somewhere about seven, eight hundred million dollars. Seven, seven or eight hundred million dollars, okay? That's where this thing is probably headed towards. Worst, worst case scenario, it's going to gross half a billion dollars. This movie should have been made ten years ago. Ten years ago. So, factor this in, studio. If you'd have made the, the movie back then, as it was presented, as you know, as the director and Ryan, Roll, all these people that tried to make this effing movie. No, fuck you. I'm gonna use the F word. This movie would have been made ten fucking years ago, and it would have been released, and it would have made. We'll, we'll, we'll be conservative. Half a billion fucking dollars ten years ago. There would have been a sequel. There would have been another sequel. You'd be sitting at now. Let's just assume three Deadpool movies were made, and that was it. That's it. Three Deadpool movies made. That's $1.5 billion. You turned your backs on $1.5 billion because you didn't think this would sell? Are you out of your freaking mind? That's all I have to say. Everyone knew a Deadpool movie would make a ton of money. The only person, the only people that didn't realize this was the fucking studio. Get your heads out of your fucking ass. And believe in something for artistic merit. And if the and if the movie bombs and breaks even, at least you gambled on something that could have been fucking huge. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that. I'm gonna cap it off here. Cause I'm mad now. Anyway. Uh, I know it's only half an hour here, but uh, here we go. It's another uh, podcast from uh, Shanorama.